Hello, and welcome to Burn Your Draft, the podcast exploring the Reed College thesis process and experience. I'm your producer, Albert Corrales, and today you'll hear host Amelie Andreas chatting with Class of 22 religion major Natalia Hill about her thesis on Borges, Islam, and the Sublime. Why don't you get us started, Natalia? I'm Natalia Hill. I am from Denver, Colorado. I'm a religion major, and the title of my thesis is The Ineffable Center, Islam and Borges' Intertextual Universes. The Ineffable Center. Wow, I really like that. Can you give us a little bit of background? (laughs) The Netflix blurb of my thesis would be trying to describe an essence of something in a short story where the author has said that it's indescribable. (laughs) Describing the indescribable. That is certainly a mission. (laughs) Yeah, it it was a fun task. (laughs) So how did you decide that you wanted to be a religion major? Like, is it something that you've always been drawn to? Not really. I didn't even know Reed had a religion department when I came. (laughs) I think I was a declared English major, like we all are. Mm -hmm. And I took a class in Judaism my freshman year and really liked it. And then I just started hanging around the ETC and like met a lot of really friendly people. And I think it clicked for me when I realized, Mm -hmm. oh, I enjoy the people I'm spending time with. And I'm enjoying the vibe of the department. It's so friendly. And the classes are super interesting too. So they sort of lured me in. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like definitely so much of choosing a major is just getting to know the people and the professors who make up that department and like being like, oh yeah, I think I found, I think I found my people. I think this is where I'm meant to be. Yeah, hundred percent. How did Reed tie into this? Like you said, you were interested in being an English major. Was it like the English program at Reed that attracted you or just our... Our, our quirky, reedy vibes. It was a mixture of, I used to live in Portland when I was younger and I knew I really wanted to come back. So the location was really big to me. And I actually toured Reed and Portland State University, two very different schools on the same day. And PSU, they showed me around campus. And it was very cool and hip. And then they had like a 10 minute slideshow on their academics. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And then I went to Reed. They were like sort of haphazardly led me across campus, but then spent <laughs> an hour talking about their academics and I made my decision then. So, <laughs> so very fortuitous. A combination of extreme nerdiness and vaguely disorganized but charming tour was what really sealed the deal. Pretty much. <laughs> that is a very, very read answer. What did your process look like while you were going through your thesis? Well, the first part was a lot of self-doubt and not knowing what I was doing. Essential part of any thesis. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think deciding what I wanted to write about took most of my fall semester. And then a lot of hours sitting in the thesis office talking Mm -hmm. to my advisor in the fall and mostly sitting at my kitchen table, just writing (laughs) the combination of those three things. Yeah. Lots of writing. (laughs) Yeah. What kind of materials were you dealing with? Like, was it a lot of library materials, secondary sources, first person sources? It's a series of short stories. So my copy of Borges is very tattered and used at this point. Oh. And then a lot of online articles and then the occasional book that I had to go to the library for because I couldn't find it through mm-hmm. JSTOR. But yeah, not a ton of secondary sources on what I was writing about, mm-hmm. which is actually a blessing in disguise because that's a lot less research I had to do. Yeah, and it gives you so much more room as well to like come to your own conclusions and add something original. So that's actually really exciting to find like 
a hole in the literature. Like, I feel like that's every, every thesis student's like dream is to like find something that people haven't actually written that much about before. Yeah, it, it definitely made me feel like my work was useful and like contributing something. Mm -hmm. And it also was sort of reassuring because it meant that even though my project doesn't do everything I set out for it to do or any of that, mm -hmm. just the fact that I was writing on a subject that not that many people have written about was reason enough to do it. So that was really reassuring to sort of come back to of like, oh, this is really exciting and new. Yeah, exactly. Like taking steps into the unknown is always something that's thrilling. What kind of skills did you pick up throughout this process? I think I'd already started to develop a writing practice, but not as consistent. I was used to sort of spacing out, writing a paper, editing it, trying not to do it the night before it's due. Mm -hmm. But a year-long process means that even though it, turning it in is months and months off, I had to learn how to like get up in the morning, make myself breakfast, sit mm -hmm. down at the kitchen table, and write for two hours, even if I wasn't happy with what I wrote. So I think just patience and like a long-term thinking that I don't think any other project that read can really prepare you for fully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely something that you kind of get the hang of as you're going along. It seems like mm -hmm. you can't prepare yourself for a long-term pro like the only way to prepare yourself for a long-term project is by doing a long-term project, which is why it's so valuable to have this like as part of our education. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have any unexpected challenges while you were working on your thesis? I feel like I sort of hit a point partway through where I realized that the questions I sort of set out with, I didn't answer at the end. So for example, one of the stories, uh, the Alice that I write about, the end of the story has this mystical item spot in the universe located inside a mosque. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of what started my project is like, oh, this is really interesting. Why this Borges put this object in a mosque? What does that mean? That was like the driving initial question. Mm -hmm. And then I realized reading back through my first chapter, which is on the Aleph, I spent like a couple sentences talking about it and just left it. Like, <laughs> I, I realized that I came up with a lot of really interesting other questions that mm. I was pursuing. And it was weird looking back on it and feeling like I didn't achieve the mission that I'd set out to do. I had a bit of an existential crisis. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, no, I feel like that's just evolution though. Like it's such a, it's such a weird experience to to be in, you know, the retrospective mode and looking back at the beginnings of things. I can see how it would be easy to feel like you're like straying from your big purpose or something. But I think that really just shows that you've developed throughout this process and, and that that question has led to all of these new other questions. Yeah, it was definitely also not helped by the fact that I had two different thesis advisors because my first thesis advisor, Cumbies, went on sabbatical. Oh, man. <laughs> but he was on my orals board, which is really excellent. But I had a moment where in the spring when I was looking back over my work and how much it had changed, I was like, oh man, Combees is going to be on my orals board and he's going to be like, where were all the ideas and thoughts we had at the beginning of the semester? Which of course <laughs> didn't happen. But you know, my brain was immediately like, but what mm -hmm. if I betrayed him? You know? <laughs> yeah, a story of two thesis advisors. So what actually ended up being the outcome of your project, if you're saying like it changed so much from what your original idea was? Yeah, I think that I sort of set out with this idea 
of I would understand why Borges is talking about Islam in his short stories mm-hmm. and sort of use that as a launching point to talk about like why Islam has been erased from a lot of Western canon and why we don't mm. talk about these things and sort of exploring sort of that dynamic, maybe talking about Orientalism, like this understanding that, you know, the West is sort of taking images of the East and reappropriating them. Mm-hmm. Like I had all these sort of ide- like big ideas. Reedy's really good at big ideas. Yeah. Um, and I think that I ended up just spending a lot more time in the stories themselves mm-hmm. that I covered and sort of exploring what he's doing in the stories. And it led to a really more nuanced understanding of like why Borges is talking about Islam mm-hmm. in his uh, short stories. But it didn't feel like grandiose enough or like yeah. it's not a full method or, you know, theory. Um, but that's usually how it works out is you go in really ambitious and then you end up with something that's good, but not what you expected. Yeah. I feel like that's the like, so reminiscent of like the dilemma of the Hume conference as well. Like I remember we all want to talk about like, Oh, what's the meaning of life and everything. And our professors are, are all just telling us, please just do a close reading of the text please just try and actually understand what they're saying. You don't need to understand like what love means. You just need to actually comprehend what you're reading. Yeah. Which is a lot harder than it sounds. (laughs) It really is. And I would definitely say that I'm thankful that I learned in my junior seminar project and some of my later classes at Reed to always start as small as possible, even if it feels too small, Mm -hmm. because inevitably it will still be too big you're trying to do like you always end up over ambitious you can start by like narrowing it down from the very beginning you have a better achieving to something achievable than just saying i'm going to be talking about the entirety of borges's fiction or something like that you know i'm like okay mm-hmm. i'm going to talk about three short stories that feels doable <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly yeah did your thesis experience end up like changing the way that you think about Islam or about religion? I think that one of the things I love about the religion department is it's very open about exploring the ways in which religion is malleable and not just one thing and that it's always changing no no matter what you're studying. Mm -hmm. So I sort of went in expecting that, but I definitely think that I never thought about religion in like a fictional space before as like in storytelling. Mm. And I just, I felt a little bit like I was treading on the toes of the literature department somewhat, <laughs> but it was cool working in a like really interdisciplinary way. And I think that oh, yeah. any of our studies, religion especially, is really benefited by working across disciplines. So I feel like I, I learned a lot from literary theory and thinking about religion. Yeah, that is such a huge part and such a valuable part of the read experience is like, because we're forced quote unquote, to take such a wide variety of classes, it's inevitable that when we do make these final projects that we're going to be drawing from all of those experiences because they've become a part of who you are, which I think is just like the most amazing thing. Did your thesis experience end up informing your plans after read at all? Uh, not really. Um, I definitely think that I will eventually be returning to school at some point. And I do think my thesis will sort of inform where I want to go to school and what I want to study. But in the short term, I'm actually going into fundraising at Lewis and Clark, the enemy. <laughs> <laughs> no, how um, could you? And, and that was... <laughs> 
It really, really, truly. Um, and that was something that happened outside of thesis. That was, I worked at Phonathon all four years at Reed. Oh, yeah. Um, talk about unexpected. Yeah, talk about unexpected routes um, mm-hmm. to futures after Reed. But I mean, I think the thesis process kind of helps you do whatever you do afterwards. Like I'm a much better writer. I'm mm-hmm. much more confident, self-assured person in general. And I get a good reason to sleep for the next. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. Like the summer after you graduate, except for Burn Your Draft podcast interviews, should not be spent thinking about your thesis at all. You need to take a mental break. It's very important. What do you think will like, or what do you hope will go through your mind in 30 years if you're looking back at your thesis? That's a really good question. I think in 30 years from now, I hope I'll be impressed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping that it'll be far enough out of my brain that I'll be able to like go back through and sort of be pleasantly surprised by things that Mm. I've like already sort of absorbed. My thesis has a lot of questions left unanswered Mm-hmm. hidden throughout it and things I point to that I know I can't fully flesh out. Mm-hmm. So in 30 years, it would be really awesome if I could look back at it, not just as a like time of read that mm-hmm. I experienced, but as a launching point to be like, oh, I know this, this thing. And now I have the space to think about it instead of being burnt out. <laughs> yeah. Cause those are definitely the type of big questions that will like stay with you throughout your entire life. And you never really can find like a concrete answer but that's part of the part of the fun of it yeah I had a professor who told me that footnotes are the best part of any project because that's usually where your next project comes from mm-hmm. so a lot of his work w- would be okay I wrote this thing I had this question or thought that I couldn't answer in my footnotes and then I'd go back to it to work on my next project so maybe this mm-hmm. will be that for me who knows yeah the magic's in the footnotes I like that Do you have any advice to finish off for maybe like people just starting out their read experience or thesising seniors who are going to be going through the same process next year? Mm. I think for people just coming to read, I would say don't worry about thesis until you get there. I don't know if every (laughs) department's the same, but the religion department definitely Mm -hmm. actually prohibits you from writing on something that you've written extensively about already. Which I think is wise just in terms of a year is a lot to work on something. You don't want to go Mm -hmm. in partially burnt out. You want it to be new and fresh. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. be excited about senior year, be nervous about senior year, but just take time to explore different interests. Don't feel like you have to decide Mm -hmm. on one thing that you're going to thesis on. Um, It's a ways in the future. (laughs) for people who are going into thesis process next year (laughs) everyone has their own way of doing thesis so I don't think there's one size fits all Mm -hmm. I think for me it was super super valuable to break up the work as much as possible and to not treat it what like one massive Mm -hmm. thesis but treat it as individual chapters okay I'm gonna try and write this 20 page paper which maybe you've done at this point in your read career. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take two weeks to do that. I'm going to sit down every morning, write a little bit, and we're going to go over it with my thesis advisor. And that felt so much more doable than I'm going to write a thesis this year. 
And it was actually really cool seeing it all come together at the end, even though I'd sort of broken it up. So be patient with yourself and try to give yourself as much time as at the end. I definitely thank my past self Mm -hmm. for putting in the work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that breaking up into chunks thing is so smart, though. It's the funniest thing. Whenever I, I have assignments now, after talking to so many people about their thesis, I like measure how long of a paper it is by like what percentage of a thesis I have to write for my final paper. I'm like, "Mm, 20 pages. That's like, you know, half third of a thesis. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I actually had a final paper, my last paper at Reed do after thesis, Mm -hmm. of course, for finals week. And it was a 25 page paper. And most of the class was seniors. Wow. We were all like, Come on, this is a lot. And then I was like, I guess I'm writing an extra yeah, chapter. This is a half. Like that totally felt that I was like, okay, yeah, that's that's another chapter. All right. <laughs> oh, oh, the 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 fluctuations of the read experience. Yes. Well, those are all of the questions that I have for you today. So thank you very much for coming on our little podcast and telling us all about your thesis. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was really awesome. Thanks so much, Natalia. I've been meaning to get into Borges for a while now, so maybe I'll check out your thesis for some pointers on where to start. I hope you'll join us again to hear more from students and alumni about what it means to burn your draft. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, check out our Twitter and Facebook pages, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Burn Your Draft is a production of Reed College and the Center for Life Beyond Reed, created jointly by students, alumni, and staff. This episode was produced and engineered by me, Reed College student Albert Corellis. Your lovely host today was Reed student Amelie Andreas. Our executive producer is Seth Paskin, class of 1990, with technical advising from Joe Janiga. Our project manager is Nate Martin, staff member in class of 2016. Music by Jack Salvucci, class of 2020, and podcast art by alumni Henry Gotchlik and Lillian Pham. This podcast was made possible by a gift from Seth Paskin.